Gillette is shaving away toxic masculinity in a new ad campaign. We will examine the true causes of toxic masculinity, toxic femininity, and everything in between. Then, President Trump hosts a fast food feast at the White House. Laura Loomer illegally immigrates to Nancy Pelosi's house. And Kamala Harris pulls a Liz Warren. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Get ready for a lot of toxic Michaelinity today. You're going to get a heavy dose of it. There aren't enough Gillette razors in the world to shave all that away. But first, let's make a little money, honey, with ExpressVPN. With all the recent news about online security breaches, it is hard not to worry about where my data goes. Uh, making an online purchase or even simply accessing your email could put your private information at risk. You're being tracked by like every single person on the internet. Social media sites, marketing companies, your mobile, your internet provider. That's why I decided to take back my privacy with ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN has easy to use apps that run uh, seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, or tablet. Turning it on takes only one click. You need to do this. It seems like something you say, oh, it doesn't really matter. Oh, my data, they're just out there. No, you can secure your data. It's very inexpensive. It's very important to do this. Don't leave yourself vulnerable. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. And if you're watching this show, I can only imagine what else you're looking at on the internet. Protect yourself uh, with ExpressVPN for less than seven bucks a month. Uh, find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Michael. M-I-C-H-A-E-L. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, for three months free with a one-year package. ExpressVPN dot com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, to learn more. Gillette, you've probably seen this. Gillette has a new ad out. I'm going to show this ad in its entirety. You're not going to want to miss one little bit of it. It's a new ad about toxic masculinity. They've jumped on the social justice warrior bandwagon. Here it is if you've missed it. Bullying. The Me Too movement against sexual harassment. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? <laughs> what I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. And there will be no going back. Because we... We believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Smile, sweetie. Come on. To say the right thing. To act the right oh, way. Bro, not cool, not cool. Some already are. In ways big. Yo, men, And small. I am strong. I am strong. But some is not enough. It's not how we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. Gillette, the best a man can't get. <laughs> so this ad, just notice all of the subtle 
uh, left-wing social justice warrior aspects to it. Just to begin, one point that not a lot of people are talking about is that with one exception for the first 40 seconds of the ad, all of the bad guys are white guys. With one exception, of there are probably 50 or 60 guys, uh, you know, the whole lines of guys and the cartoons and all this. And uh, with the exception of one bad black guy, all of the bad guys are white guys. And then when it turns and it's good, virtually all of the good guys were saying, hey, don't do that. Be nice to this person. Don't bully this person are all not white guys. And they did this because they are, they are feeding into not just a narrative about men should be nice to women. They're feeding into an intersectional narrative. They're feeding into the main narrative we see now on the left, which is that there are hierarchies of victimhood and the worst guys in the whole wide world are the straight white men who think that they're men and who behave like men should behave. This comes on the heels of the American Psychological Association saying that traditional masculinity, you know, as opposed to that newfangled masculinity, uh, is, is harmful, it's terrible, we need to get rid of it. So Gillette is buying into this. I actually, I was late to, to the show today. I was late getting into the studio because I woke up and I had to take photos of, uh, of well, me shaving before I used my Gillette razor and then me after I used my Gillette razor. And you can see the difference right on screen. Uh, if you can't, you know, in the first picture, I'm, I'm wearing a, a wife beater. You know, I'm kind of, uh, that's, the, that's just what they call it. It's a men's undershirt. That's just the phrase. Talk about toxic. And, you know, my hair is askew. I've got, I'm smoking a cigar and drinking scotch at seven in the morning. And then, but after I used that Gillette, oh, it was just amazing. I transformed into a, a plaid onesie. I had a little teacup with a, a little lemon drop on the side. And I just, I felt so much better, you know. So clearly this product is working. Um, the initial response to this is what self-respecting man is going to buy a razor for a company that is lecturing and scolding men with this uh, ridiculous caricature of masculinity, which is buying this line hook, line, and sinker that masculinity is a bad thing. Um, fair enough. I, I, I do think it will hurt them in the long run. But what Gillette is doing is they're looking around, especially at Nike, and they're saying Nike, by embracing radical leftism, by embracing Colin Kaepernick as their spokesman, by embracing these anti-American, anti-traditional politics, uh, they, they got a short-term gain, at least a short-term gain uh, in uh, sales, profits, market share. You know, they've, they've, they've actually done pretty well as a result of that campaign. And Gillette is looking at that and they're saying that right now, in, in the sort of normal society, politics is downstream of culture, culture is downstream of religion. But in this weird society that we're in now, it's like a snake eating its own tail. Politics is still downstream of culture, but then culture is downstream of politics in a way that the left has, has totally inverted. So they look to the politics, not just as their culture, but as their God. And they're saying, okay, well, if that's the case, then we need to infuse our advertisements with Politics. Now, it's a little weird for Gillette because Gillette is a company for men. Men skew more conservative than women. Uh, we'll, we'll see if this pays off for them in the end. The, the idea of it itself, though, is just so wrong because I, I've seen even a, a couple of conservatives on Twitter say, oh, I don't really see what's wrong with the ad. They're just saying men shouldn't be jerks. They're not saying that men shouldn't be jerks. They're saying that men are jerks. There's, it's not just that men should be nicer, men should be more polite. Sure, yeah, of course. What they're saying is that men, by their very nature, 
are awful. They're worse they're, than women. They're, they're just bad people who do bad things. And, and further what they're saying, by using these extreme examples, so they use ki- these kids a little roughhousing. Kids are wrestling on the ground, kind of smacking each other. And in the, in the bad olden days when people were using Gillette, then that was just boys will be boys, so it's not a big deal. But now in the good days where Gillette is the new feminist shaving company, then the father goes and he says, no, we don't roughhouse. No, we don't do that. This is the way to raise the worst kind of men. If you tell boys not to stick up for themselves, not to roughhouse every once in a while, not to be able to take a punch every once in a while, they are going to be so weak. They are going to be so embittered. They are going to be so stressed and anxious and depressed and catty and miserable that they're going to look like young men do in our current society because that's exactly what happened. You had a generation of men raised broadly with the self-esteem movement, with anti-masculinity or toxic toxic masculinity with uh, feminism as the dominant ideolo- gender ideology of their youth. And what has this raised? It's raised not a generation of polite, wonderful, chivalrous gentlemen. It's raised a generation where we now have allegedly, according to the left, a rape epidemic on campus. We now have women claiming to be abused in all forms of industries, obviously in, sh- in show business and elsewhere. You raise men without any of the virtues. Virtues. What, what they are saying now is that uh, masculinity is toxic. In reality, manliness is a virtue. In fact, it's not just a virtue, it's what virtue means. Virtue, virtu, is, comes from Latin, from vir, which means man. And virtue means moral uprightness, doing the right thing. Uh, this as the left always does, they have flipped this. They have totally perverted this. And they want you to believe that vice is virtue and virtue is vice. The way you know this is also ridiculous because nobody's denying that certain primarily male attributes, masculine attributes, can be perverted and taken to a bad place. So courage can be turned into aggression or bullying or recklessness or whatever. It can, it can be turned into any of those things. Uh, but isn't that true of every other group? What about femininity? Why don't we talk about toxic femininity? If I, if I came out and I talked about toxic femininity, I would be labeled a bigot or a sexist or a misogynist or whatever. A friend of mine posted uh, on uh, Facebook the other day, it was a picture and she said, um, I, you know, I've been stopping mansplainers for a very long time. It was her giving a talk and it said, I'm stopping mansplainers. What if I posted a picture of myself at one of my college talks and I said, I've been shutting up women since 2016 or 2012, whatever. Would that look good? Would that be a good look? No, of course not. And it doesn't work when women do it either. By the way, what Gillette is about to learn is it's actually already coming out uh, right now. I think it was Fast Company published a headline after this, uh, this advertisement. It said, Gillette targets toxic masculinity in a new campaign, but still advertises on Fox News. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, and what the idea here is, is that Gillette is pre- pretending, or they're at least feigning to be this social justice warrior company now. This is their new marketing flip. But they're not totally social justice warriors. They're still advertising with Fox News. They don't advertise on our show, but they they advertise on a right-wing network or a vaguely conservative network. And this is very bad. The lesson here is that 
you will rue the day when you grant the left's premises. Even if the premises are seemingly convenient or expedient, or you think, oh, it'd be just so easy if I could just, if I just accept this premise, they'll stop bothering me. Okay, men, masculinity is toxic. You should all be feminists. The minute you grant that premise, like a snake eating its own tail, they will devour you. Because they'll say you grant that premise, but it's not good enough. It's not social justice enough. It's not leftist enough. It's not this. And, and uh, this is really going to come, come at Gillette. It doesn't stop. This happened in Hollywood. The minute that and actually, it's it's happened in the Me Too movement. When these guys, a lot of whom are pretty bad hombres in Hollywood, admit that they did something wrong, or they say maybe we I should wear the little bracelet or the pin that says "Time's Up," they immediately it just cascades. It's an avalanche. Um, Gillette, I hope, discovers that because it's a it's a very bad thing. It's a horrible message. It's a horrible message in part because it's convincing to ignorant and shallow people. But manliness is a virtue. Manliness is where we get the word virtue, and we should defend that. Uh, against these straw man absurd attacks. Now, let me invite you into my boudoir, speaking of toxic masculinity, and talk about one of my favorites, Purple Mattress. You know that I am a proselytizer for Purple Mattress. I, I I'm, kid you not, I'm not saying this because I'm doing an advertisement for them. Almost every night I get into bed with sweet little Elisa and we say, ah, I love our purple mattress. I'm, so this is really the perk of working at the Daily Wire. They haven't paid me in years and years, but at the very least, I get my cool purple mattress. It is the best bed I've ever slept on. I simply love it. It's different than a memory foam. It's different than a, an inner spring. It's this technology developed by a rocket scientist. It feels both firm and soft. I know that sounds contradictory. It's not. It's just the best. It feels great. I snooze my alarm 20,000 times in the morning because I don't want to get out of bed. It's that great. Um, it also sleeps pretty cool because of this, this uh, material, so you're not going to be hotter than you want to be, which happens with some mattresses. You get a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return it for a full refund. You won't return it. Back by 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns. Do yourself a favor. Get this mattress. It's just phenomenal. You're going to love it. Right now, my listeners get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just do this right now. Text COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E to 474747. That's the only way to get this free pillow. Text COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E to 474747. C-O-V-F-E-F-E to 474747. Message and data rates may apply. Uh, speaking of toxic masculinity, I'll illustrate this point a little bit by looking at some rhinos in the sad, sad case of John Kasich. John Kasich now that he's leaving the Ohio governor's mansion, is joining CNN, surprising exactly not a single person on earth. He's joining CNN, and he is a pathetic politician. He is truly pathetic. He started out, John Kasich, as a pretty right-wing politician, pretty right-wing governor. He was uh, was a member of Congress, budget committee, he was a fiscal hawk, pretty rock-ribbed, I really liked him. I was hoping he would run for president in 2016, back when he was old John Kasich. And then he became this virtue signaling leftist, awful politician. There was a great piece today in the Washington Examiner called John Kasich Exits Stage Left by Jason Hart. What is his legacy? This is, and I, I, this is my defense of, of manliness, of being manly and not being a weak, wimpy, 
rhino like John Kasich. He's leaving the Ohio governor's mansion with supermajorities in both houses of the Ohio General Assembly. And yet, the fiscal hawk is leaving with the highest government spending ever. Medicaid enrollment way up, low private sector job growth, lower than the national average for a long part of his tenure. He also, he was running against the unions and the pensions. He's leaving with some of the worst union laws in the country, uh, one of the worst municipal tax systems, and uh, some of the worst unfunded liabilities in the nation. So all of those uh, entitlement and pension programs, uh, really awful. What happened to this guy? He exhibited true toxic masculinity, which is wimpiness, which is self-interest. John Kasich only knows about numero uno. He doesn't uh, seem to put his ideas first or his constituents first. He's only in it for himself, I think is the reason why he's, he turned out so bad. And he's clearly gotten bad advice. I mean, this, this was a decision. When he was first running, he said, I, I was Tea Party before there was a Tea Party. He was running to the right, and then he got bad advice. Uh, some people told him to, to turn left, that that was going to be his path to more political power, and he sold his political soul for nothing. Because that's what happens when you sell your political soul, is you get nothing. It's a bad investment. Read a book. Read history. Read the Bible. So uh, what, what is this toxic masculinity paired up? It's a pairing of pure self-interest and, uh, and ambition. Uh, you've got to be really wary about this, this, because uh, uh, th- I think this is how leftism spreads in our culture, is people are purely self-interested and they're very ambitious. And so they're willing to make a deal with the devil. They're willing to say, well, you know, look, if I speak the truth, if I say that men aren't women, if I say that up is not down, if I say that uh, uh, unborn baby is not just medical tissue, as uh, some activists are saying today. If I say that, it will hurt my career. I might not make as much money. I might not be as popular at the parties. Maybe I won't, I won't be as cool. I won't be such a cool guy. And so they make these little tiny concessions. They make these little social concessions. And what happens? The culture is utterly transformed by wimps. Even guys on the right, you'll see this sometimes. I mean, this is the classic example of the Republican, but not that kind of Republican. It's those guys who you say, oh, you're a conservative. And they say, yes, I'm a conservative, but I'm much more interested in you liking me than being conservative or advancing my ideas. I'm not that kind of a conservative. That's what they say. And I say, you know, look, I get it. I remember I've gone through political evolutions in my life. Uh, Certainly I I was less conservative when I, in my youth, when I was sowing my wild oats than I am now. I get it. There's a huge social pressure on campuses in corporate America, in the halls of Congress, to not be a real conservative guy, to not say what you think. You might be unpopular. you You might sound out of fashion. Just stick to it. Otherwise, you're left with nothing. Uh, I think, who was it? It was Dean Inge who said, uh, the man who marries himself to the spirit of the age will find himself a widow in the next. And that's what's happening right now. John Kasich is mourning the death of his political career. He really could have been a contender in 2016 if he had remained a conservative and a Republican. He now thinks he's going to primary Donald Trump in 2020. Good luck, pal. Great. I, I hope he does. I think it'll really unify the base around Donald Trump to see this wimp, this pathetic failure of a politician uh, go out and, and run his mouth about what? What is he fighting for? All the things he was fighting for, he betrayed. So he's just fighting for his own pride. 
And that's what it is. It's pride. It's not just John Kasich you see this in. You see this with an old GOP operative named Steve Schmidt, who's now left of Vladimir Lenin and running to make the people at MSNBC like him. Please like me, like me, guys. Here he is on MSNBC talking about Trump's Oval Office speech. And you consider that speech, what a powerful argument it makes uh, against the theory of evolution. As we look at the continuing debasement of the office of the presidency of the United States. We saw from Trump today the typical lying, the racial demagoguery, the nonsense, the spinning of crises out of whole cloth. They will reopen the government. And at that point, what will become clear is that even the Republican minority in the House, the Republican majority in the Senate will have joined every world leader, most of the American people as a group who do not take this man seriously at all. They look at him as a joke, a clown, and a farce. A joke, a clown, and a farce. Don't take him seriously at all. I think Steve Schmidt is projecting. I think he, he was looking at a mirror and thought that he was looking in at an Oval Office speech. This is a man who worked for John McCain. He worked for George W. Bush. And so he does come from the, the more squishy wing of the Republican Party. It's not, you know, like he was... Uh, going out there marching in the Reagan revolution. He's a little young for that. He, he wasn't a founding member of the Tea Party or anything like that either. But just to illustrate what a squish, what, a, what, a, what moral weakness, what toxicity this displays. This guy, Steve Schmidt, left the Republican Party. He finally left the Republican Party. And it's being talked about as though he left it specifically over Trump. But it wasn't just Donald Trump. The reason that Steve Schmidt left the Republican Party specifically is because Donald Trump kept his campaign promise, which was the campaign promise of Barack Obama. It was the campaign promise of George W. Bush to move the U.S. Embassy in Israel to the capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem. When Donald Trump did that, not when he lied, not when he said something racially insensitive, not when he exceeded his powers of the executive, when Donald Trump kept his promise and the promise of Steve Schmidt's own boss, who didn't keep that promise. That was what made Steve Schmidt leave the Republican Party, because he would prefer uh, wimpy, girly men who lie, who don't keep their word, because it's nice and it's polite. And that way, uh, a, a group of people in the Middle East who elected Hamas to represent them, who elected a terrorist group to represent them, maybe then they'll like Steve Schmidt. See, guys, I'm cool. I'm not that harsh on terrorism. Or, Don't you like me? Like me, please. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And it comes from pride. It, come, uh, it ultimately comes from pride because this guy just needs to be liked. You got to be a little careful about uh, uh, politicians who are desperate to be liked, who, who want, look, uh, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, seeking out the applause and seeking out crowds, that is a, a professional hazard of politics and show business. It's a, it's a requirement of it, really. But you've got to differentiate between the people who are willing to say tough things and don't care if, you know, the crowds around them don't like them, uh, and, and the people who are willing to change what they say to any given audience, no matter how the political winds turn. That's the difference. I mean, you look at somebody like Mitt Romney, and any room he talks to, at any different day of the week that he talks to, he says something different. He's trying to appeal to 
them. He's so desperate for their affection. It comes from a pride and it comes from a, a ruthless ambition. That's truly toxic, but that has nothing to do with manliness. Steve Schmidt, that's not a manly man. That's a, that's a, a weak guy taking pot shots because he's betrayed his own principles and he's left with nothing. He's left with, with nothing but the corpse of his political career. Same as John Kasich. We will get to a good version of masculinity. Probably Gillette wouldn't like it very much, but I certainly liked it. The Donald Trump fast food summit, the fast food feast at the White House last night with Clemson. We'll get to Laura Loomer illegally immigrating to Nancy Pelosi's house. 2020 Kamala Harris campaign. And then if we have time, we'll talk about Steve King. But first, I have got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. But And, and by the way, this Friday, this is a really important event. Ben Shapiro, the big boss himself will be taking his show on the road to the March for Life in D.C. He will be doing his show from the March for Life. It's going to be very cool. 10 a.m. Eastern. He'll be live streaming at the National Mall and 12th Street. So if you are planning to be at the March, head over there and see him in person. It's going to be really cool. Unfortunately, I'm going to be stuck here in L.A. because someone's got to keep an eye on the shop while the boss is out of town. You know, someone's got to smoke cigars in everyone's studios and offices. So I'll have to be here. If I could be there, I would. If you're around town, do not miss it. It is going to be fabulous. If you're on Facebook and YouTube, go to dailywire.com. 10 bucks a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, you get the Matt Wall Show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag, get them in, that's coming up on Thursday. You get to ask questions in backstage, we were doing that a lot more these days. You will get to see another kingdom, you'll get everything. And you'll get this. You will get the leftist tears at Tumblr. And this is very important because, uh, you know, sometimes when people shave, they use uh, water, you know, they use a faucet, maybe they use shaving cream. But if you have the Leftist Tears tumbler, you can just pour those salty Leftist Tears all over your face, and it's the perfect aftershave. It stings a little bit because of, of how salty it is, but it, it, it just gives you a beautiful scent all the rest of the day. You get to smell, you get to maybe stick your tongue out, and just taste some of those delicious Leftist Tears. It will set your day off right first thing in the morning. Go to dailywire.com, get your Leftist Tears, aftershave tumbler, and we will be right back with a lot more. Every time I fleetingly think that I don't love Donald Trump, he does something like this. He invited the Clemson football team over to the White House uh, to celebrate their win in some sporting event that I did not even know was occurring. And apparently this was a big deal. And the trouble is the government is shut down. So there was nobody there to cook all the food and serve all the food. So Donald Trump, rather than canceling the event, he had a stroke of genius. He, and by the way, to talk about Providence at work here, Donald Trump caters the whole event with fast food last night. McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, pizza, you know, just all of this fast food on silver platters with chandeliers, with candles, you know, it's so beautiful. Last night, before this happened, before I saw this, I was driving home and I, I actually don't eat McDonald's that much and I had a hankering for McDonald's and I drove about a mile out of the way or two miles out of the way to go get it. And I, I said, why, don't, why do I want McDonald's right now? If you doubt Providence, just remember that. I think this is, this is going to be the new proof of the existence of God. Here is Donald Trump using this event with political brilliance. Great American food. And it's to be very interesting to see at the end of this evening how many are left. Do you prefer McDonald's or Wendy's? I, I like them all. 
That's a tough question. If it's American, I like it. It's all American stuff. So, but it's good stuff. And we have the national champion team, as you know, Clemson Tigers. And they had a fantastic game against Alabama. We have pizzas. We have 300 hamburgers, many, many French fries, all of our favorite foods. Uh, I want to see what's here when we leave, because I don't think it's going to be much. The reason we did this is because of the shutdown. Uh, we want to make sure that everything is right. So we sent out. We got this. And we have some wonderful people working at the White House. They helped us out with this. And uh, I will say the Republicans are really, really sticking together. It's great to see, because we need border security. We have to have it. We have to have it. No doubt about it. Should have happened 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And it's going to happen now. It's going to happen now. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your food. Never. This is the rule. This is the, you know, never get into a fight with a Sicilian when death is on the line. Never engage in a land war in Asia. And never challenge Donald Trump to a battle in the media. He is the master of the media. So what he did, there was this event on the calendar to hang out with the Clemson football team. And he says, okay, we'll still do it. And I will take this event and I will turn it into an instantly viral promotion advertisement for my border wall during the government shutdown. So the news, they've been covering how awful he was, how awful the Oval Office speech was. It's terrible. They tried that. They hated that. So then he goes out and he creates an event that even his opponents can't hate. There was a photo of him going around sort of smiling in front of this beautiful long table filled with silver trays of, of hamburgers. And they were all joking. Even his opponents were joking. They said, this is the Hamburglar. Look at him. Look at this. Go, oh, this is so crazy. And so they're attacking him, but they're attacking him for doing something th that we all have affection for. That's really very likable. It's very hard to dislike. Ocasio-Cortez is good at this too. She's very good at doing things that even her critics, when they point them out, have to admit are sort of likable. You know, she smiles, she giggles, whatever. And so Donald Trump does this just to a whole nother level. And you'll notice there wasn't a lot of Chipotle at that event. <laughs> Not even Taco Bell, which I like. It was all American. He said, it's all good American food. And what this did was this triggered the left uh, in, a, in a way, in two ways. First, they said they attacked his wealth. They said he's obviously not a billionaire because if he were a billionaire, he'd have good food instead of that disgusting fast food. So he, he gets the, and this was going all over the internet, all over the commentary. He gets the left to position themselves as privileged, effete, rich people looking down on people who have less than them. Uh, the, the next part, which is related to that, is he got the left to attack fast food. But the thing is, that food that was on that table in the White House is the most popular food in America by a long shot. It, it's not even close. Like it's not the, the gap between Big Mac and kale from Whole Foods is like, there isn't enough room in my studio to show the gap in popularity between those two things. Now, the trouble is when you're talking about members of the press, the media, Democrats in Congress and the Senate, that exactly flips. They haven't eaten a McDonald's hamburger uh, since they were 15. They only eat the kale from Whole Foods. And so, and they pay much more for the kale from Whole Foods for a little piece of lettuce than they do for a Big Mac meal at McDonald's. And so you have them looking down on that and you have the rest of America saying, wait a minute, 
I'd love that. That sounds great. They're all saying how awful, how awful it is that Donald Trump invited the football team and he just served them fast food. That's disgusting. And the rest of America, the rest of us, as I'm sitting there literally eating a double quarter pounder with cheese as this is happening, I'm saying, I love that food. That food's delicious. What are you talking about? Then they try to attack it from another angle. They say, wow, Donald Trump, he's playing into a stereotype that college jocks like to eat a lot of fast food. Well, guess what? All the food was gone by the end of the night. You know why? Because college jocks love to eat a lot of fast food. Not just college jocks. Every college student likes to eat a lot of fast food. Not just every college student. Most Americans do. It was a, it was a master stroke because the, as every one of those little memes was going around of Donald Trump standing in front of 300 hamburgers, you then have uh, that video going around where he says, yep, it, the reason we're doing these hamburgers is because of the border shutdown, but that's okay. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. And this is another aspect that he's demonstrating. He doesn't always demonstrate it, but he's demonstrating it here of manliness, of masculinity, is you need gratitude. You need gratitude. Uh, you know, you need humility. Trump actually, you know, ironically, he does have humility. He jokes about himself. He makes a lot of jokes about bragging, but he also makes jokes about himself. He says, the only good thing about me is I don't drink. I'd be the worst drunk in the world. I'd be, the, I'd be terrible. Right? He, he makes these jokes about himself, even as he's joking about how funny he is, how great he is, how, what, how rich he is. And uh, you, you need a little bit of gratitude, though. And he's saying, look, I'm not going to complain that we got to eat this food. Everybody likes fast food. It's our favorite food. It's good in American. We're going to have a great time here tonight. That makes you a bigger person. It makes you a much better person. To be a man, you need to be able to look back uh, on your history, on your forefathers, on all, everything in civilization that has led you to where you are. And you need to not hate it. If you hate it, you become whiny and miserable like the left. You become catty like all of these girly men on the left wing. Uh, but if you look at it with gratitude and you say, look, those guys weren't perfect and his, their fathers weren't perfect and their fathers weren't perfect. And I'm not perfect. I'm sure not perfect. I can conclude. I can deduce that I'm a flawed person too. That gives you a little bit of humility and it allows you to look forward and say, okay, Here's how we're going to be the bigger men here. Here's how we're going to be adults. Here's how we're going to move forward. It makes you much more attractive. This was a, a real PR win for a president who is, who is losing the PR battle of this shutdown. His approval rating is going down, not by a lot, but by a little bit. And his, uh, he's being blamed overall for the shutdown. His policy is improving in popularity. The border wall itself is now more popular than it was before the shutdown. But he needed a little PR win. He totally got it here. And coincidentally, it helped to demonstrate a, a little lesson about masculinity very much in the news. Um, you're, you're even going to see this now. So they, they make fun of the airport or the, the fast food. You're going to see this with the airports too. Americans are not being affected by this shutdown. They don't feel it. Federal workers, we feel bad for them, you know, if they're out of work. But that's a small percentage of the population. Major vast majority of Americans are not affected by this shutdown. What the left and the media are saying is, well, if the TSA stops showing up to work, if my pre-check line at Terminal B at uh, JFK is shut down, then you're going to hear about it, Mr. President. Most people don't fly that much. The vast majority of Americans don't fly very frequently. The media fly around all the time. I fly around all the time. I'm very angry when the pre-check is shut down at Terminal B of JFK. But small price to pay from a small group of people who generally inhabit a pretty privileged segment of society. And if they're going to be complaining about that, it's going to be exactly the same thing. You're going to have the vast majority of America saying, 
oh, your, your pre-check line was closed? Boo-hoo-hoo. Let me play you a sad song on the world's smallest violin. Uh, big PR win, and, and President Trump needed it. So uh, uh, I was very glad to see it last night. Another fun PR win from the right was Laura Loomer. If you're not familiar with Laura Loomer, she is a provocateur, a provocatrix, I suppose she would be. She's uh, an investigative, independent journalist. Uh, she's a right-wing activist. She goes a little out there sometimes. She can be a little out there. This, however, was perfectly executed. She uh, illegally immigrated to Nancy Pelosi's compound. She was just going to go in there, you know, because California is a sanctuary state. Pelosi said walls are immoral. So she's just going to go in there. And and since walls are immoral, she's going to live in Nancy Pelosi's house. Surprise, surprise, she was met by Nancy Pelosi's security guards. Well, this is private property, so... I'm confused. I thought that California was a sanctuary city. I thought San Francisco was a sanctuary city. I don't know. I thought Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, who's so the Speaker of the House, said Can we get ID from state. everybody that's here, since you guys are on private property? I, we don't need that in California. I we didn't need that in California, okay. because Gavin Newsom said we didn't need driver's licenses because it's like a form of profiling. Well, I'm just we really do. Confused. You're on private property, so you're trespassing. <clears throat> How? I don't. I'm really confused. Nancy said everyone was welcome here. Okay. Do you know who Nancy Pelosi is? Yes, I do. So Nancy Pelosi said. Nancy Pelosi or? said that. I, did, I didn't think I needed one. Though. Human right. You guys, I'm really confused because right Nancy Pelosi said asylum's a human right, but now they're saying I'm, I'm trespassing. And Nancy said everyone is welcome here. Like if you if you know her nephew, we app- I appreciate you. Basically, you're trespassing. Okay. Need to see some ID. <clears throat> What's trespassing? I reject okay. those facts. It's being on private. Property. I reject those facts. I didn't know there was private property in California. No, private okay. Cal- <laughs> What's private property? It's, it's so good, and it goes on for like an hour. So I recommend uh, whenever you get home, you know, pull it up and watch it. The the right is so much better at trolling than the left. It's outrageous. Obviously, I mean, I'll take a little credit for the blank book. Stunts like this are so phenomenal. And we have the troll in chief in the Oval Office. The reason for this, though, the reason why this stunt went so well, compare the right-wing stunts to the left-wing stunts. Right-wing stunt is a funny, provocative girl shows up to Nancy Pelosi's house, allegedly with illegal aliens. She said that she had illegal aliens with her. I don't know if that's true or not, but it puts Nancy Pelosi in this awful position of, I'm supposed to arrest them, but I said that I can't arrest them. And does she really have illegal aliens? I should let them in, but not the American. And what should I do? And so she, she goes to Nancy Pelosi's house and then just engages in funny repartee. It's just funny banter. She didn't kick down Nancy Pelosi's door. She didn't scare Nancy Pelosi's family in public or at their home or anything. She just engaged in repartee to explicate how absurd Pelosi's immigration position is, how incoherent her immigration position is, how she doesn't really believe that walls are immoral because she has many walls and security guards herself. Compare that to the left. What the left does is it sends roving gangs of thugs to Tucker Carlson's house, kicks in his door, breaks his door, has his wife hiding in the pantry safe room until the cops show up, lighting up fire in the streets in Oregon. They're just not that funny. Now, humor requires intelligence and wit. So maybe that would explain some of it. But it also explains these very virtues that we're talking about today with toxic masculinity and with good virtuous manliness, which is Laura Loomer here is prudent. 
She didn't kick in anybody's door. That wouldn't serve any purpose. She did apparently try Nancy Pelosi's knob. Said, oh, that's so weird. It's locked. But why is it locked? Locks are immoral. Walls are immoral. So she did, but she was very prudent. She was very respectful to the police, played it totally straight, uh, very humble. Uh, she goes in. It's not, it's not just about her. It's about these ideas. It's about Nancy Pelosi's own words being used against her. Everything's in balance here. Everything has a, a sense of proportion. Everything has a good sense of humor. Um, Really, really good stuff. I I hope that we get more of this. You know, we should never, the right should never engage in what the left does, which is go and scare people and kick in their doors or anything like that. But we should do this. This is terrific. To go up to Nancy Pelosi's gate and engage in funny repartee with the security guards, that's terrific. That's fabulous. If we had a society like that, we would all be living in wonderful good humor and we'd all be very grateful for it. Uh, nothing threatening, nothing mean, just taking the Nancy Pelosi's premises to their logical conclusion, which is that Laura Loomer should be able to illegally immigrate onto her property. I, th- those guys are asking her for IDs. The, the entire Democrat Party tells us that IDs are racist. Why is this Democrat Speaker of the House, why are her security guards asking for a mechanism, an instrument of racism and bigotry? Because Democrats don't really believe that IDs are racist. They're just cynical and they're just race hustling and they're just trying to divide Americans. Laura Loomer showed that beautifully. My hat is off to you. Really, really well done. Kamala Harris running for president. She's put together a mood mix because as Steve Buscemi says when he walks in with his skateboard over his shoulder, how do you do fella kids? Hey there fella kids. Here is Kamala Harris doing her best rendition of how do you do fella kids? Kamala Harris, and this is my mood mix. A song that has always made me dance. Check the rhyme, A Tribe Called Quest. You know, I'm talking about Fife. (laughs) A song that has to be played loud because you have to hear the bass. The Sun is Shining by Bob Marley and the Whalers. Right? The sun is shining and the rain. <laughs> a song that reminds me of Howard University, my alma mater, the Mecca, the real HU. Um, Push It by Salt and Pepper. Because it was a real hit song when I was there. <laughs> Favorite song from my childhood Young, Gifted, and Black by Aretha Franklin. A song that makes me think of my birthplace, Oakland. Anything by Too Short. Too Short! (laughs) A presidential song for anyone. One Nation Under a Groove by Funkadelic. One Nation Under a Groove. The only thing I agree with her on there is I actually do really like Funkadelic and I do like One Nation Under a Groove. Everything else though, how uh, pathetic. Let's just go through it because she's really given us a glimpse into what this 2020 campaign is going to be like. First of all, she's laughing too much in, in too identical a way. It just seems contrived. I don't know if it's contrived. I suspect it is. It's that Hillary thing that, ha, 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 I'm likable. <laughs> Look how likable and casual I am. <laughs> it doesn't play. Um, it also shows that this entire campaign is going to be going for identity politics. Look at what she highlights. She spends a, a huge portion of 
one of the song segments talking about my alma mater, Howard University, historically black, the Mecca, the place, the real HU. I, I think she's referring to Harvard University, although Harvard doesn't call itself HU, but she's drawing that dichotomy. She's saying, I'm, uh, you know, she says one of her favorite songs from was Young, Gifted, and Black. See, that's me. That's what I was. I was born in Oakland. Oakland, a very, very black, very uh, tough city, very tough town. Um, she's smart to do this in a way because it's her only shot to do anything to become president. She has to play, lean into the intersectionality vibe. She has to play race politics. I mean, she actually doesn't, she doesn't have to do it in a, in a normal political structure. She's fairly intelligent. She's had a good career. She should be able to run on her own merits. But in this day and age, in this Democrat party, she can't do it. The one trouble she's going to run into on identity politics is she's not actually black American in, in the way we would refer to that. She's half Indian and half Jamaican. Her father is a, a Stanford economics professor from Jamaica. Her mother uh, is a, a breast cancer scientist. So it really cuts, she, she's playing it up as though she grew up in Oakland and, you know, rough and tumble and young, gifted and black. But really, she grew up in total privilege and she didn't grow up in Oakland. At the age of seven, she moved to Canada. She moved to Montreal. She lived in Canada f- until she went to college. And uh, so she totally grew up in Canada. You've got another Ocasio-Cortez thing here. Um, she grew up privileged, intelligent, half Jamaican, half Indian. Uh, she's a lawyer who was in Canada and she's going to pretend now to have grown up on the mean streets of Oakland, a career politician who is trying to reinvent her identity to play into what is unfortunately going to be an identity politics-based Democrat 2020 presidential primary. Uh, it's too bad for her. She actually does have a lot of credentials. She's had a good career. She, she could run on the merits uh, if this were any other time and if she were a member of any other party. But she's not, and uh, I fear for her, she's not likable. She's not casual. She's, she's the poor man's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, like the really poor man's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So I think she's going to flop on that point. You know, authenticity really matters these days, especially in presidential politics, especially after the age of Donald Trump or in the age of Donald Trump. And uh, she's going to get hit for an uh, in, in inauthentic representation of her upbringing. Uh, it's it's going to happen. It's not going to come from Republicans. It's going to come from other Democrats who are going to say she's not, not the real deal. She's not authentic enough. And uh, that's what you have to look forward to because a circular firing squad is always entertaining to watch in politics when it's your opponents doing it. Okay, that's our show. We didn't get to everything. We'll try to get to more tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio is mixed by Dylan Case. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, the Russia investigation proceeds, the shutdown continues, and Gillette releases a controversial commercial. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show.